Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. Whenever life got tough, you know, whenever there was any pain, whenever life felt a bit unbearable, you know, my, my cure was addiction. I'm Elka Edwards, founder of Ivy House. This week, I met up with Joe. Joe started gambling around the ages of 11 or 12, and by the time he was in his late teens, he was a complete addict. It was the number one priority in his life. We talk about how bad it got for him and the understanding that has enabled him to turn his life around. So as always, I'm gonna kick off with, so who's Joe? So I'm, I'm 33 years old. Uh, I have many different roles in life and those that are at the top of the list are as to a daddy to Oliver and best friend to Sarah. Um, and another role that takes up a fairly significant amount of my time is as a senior manager within a global financial services organisation. And where I'm at right now is a really, really happy place, I think. But looking back to where I was when I was 17, I genuinely wouldn't have believed that I was capable of, of living the life that, that I have today. And the reason for that is that at that time, I really only had one commitment in my life, a commitment that I put above everyone and, and everything. And, and, and that was to my addiction, uh, my, my gambling addiction. And it was a really critical time um, in my life. And under the influence of, of that addiction, I made some poor decisions around my uh, education, uh, my health, um, and relationships and, and, and that led me down a very very destructive path um, and but since then I, I've spent many many years rebuilding my life and, and I'm in a really really good place now. Okay so when when did this addiction start Joe? I recall me behaving in a way that to me I associate quite closely with with, with addiction um, from about age 11, 12 something like that um, the kind of behaviours were you know, being deceptive, um, starting to um, lie to my parents, you know, very simple things. But for example, I, I would be given uh, money for my dinner and I very soon found myself using that money to do some form of, of gambling and then going home and telling my parents what I'd had for dinner, uh, which, which which was a lie. So um, at that point, obviously with me being so young, the impact that it had was limited. However, there were definitely some behaviours there that um, to me, you know, represent uh, that of, of an addict. And what impact has um, this part of your life had for you? It's had a huge impact um, on my life and, and, and those around me. The toxicity and the destruction was far-reaching, Elka. Um, it, you know, it, it played out in all areas of my life, um, you know, relationships, education, career. I basically went from being at college and um, obtaining a vocational qualification graded at the equivalent of three A's to three years later um, facing failure. Um, I, I, I didn't even leave university with a degree. Um, you know, having not having the courage to even explain to my parents why they wouldn't see the first person in the family graduate. No idea where I was heading in terms of my career, my relationships, you know, clinging on to those that I had. And, but to be honest with you, the ones that I was clinging on to, it was only really to serve me, you know, um, to give me the financial support that I needed. It was, you know, I got myself into a real mess. Two things to notice here. 
Firstly, your own reaction to people that have addictions. Do you think maybe they're different to you? Joe, he comes from a great family. He has an amazing job. Addiction is something that can affect all kinds of people. The second thing to notice is Joe's courage to look at the raw facts. And this is crucial in being a courageous learner. So many people are not prepared to really look honestly at their own behavior. And this is basically what keeps them stuck. So what happened? How, how did you get from there to having an incredibly successful career, being in a loving relationship, having a son, being fit and healthy. Explain the journey to me. Unfortunately for me, I had to, you know, push myself to a real extreme before I, I finally had the had, had the courage to to do something um, about my addiction. I, I spent life, you know, I spent my life basically chucking everything into the too difficult box. Um, you know, I was living in a very, very selfish way. And there was also kind of an air of, invincibility and a huge amount of ego and I really I suppose despite all the destruction which I can reflect back on now at the time I just didn't I didn't see it you know I suppose I kind of thought I was kidding well I, I kidding myself into thinking that I was I was coping okay and so I just carried on on this path of destruction and you know I I honestly honestly feel like I was heading either to uh, to prison or, or, or to my deathbed and I really mean that I had to basically lose everything before I, you know, could start to turn my life around, really. Um, you know, I had to be absolutely brought to my knees. Um, I had to be stripped of that ego. Um, and I had to find real desperation. And people talk about the gift of desperation, and I think that's definitely what played out for me. You know, I really, I honestly, I had, I had no choice. Um, it was getting to the point where... Um, you know, I'd lost my, I'd lost my marriage. I'd lost all respect from many, many people. Um, in my family, I was, you know, compromising my education. You know, my career, um, my health. Um, there was just, there really was only, uh, only one way out. And um, yeah, I just got to absolute breaking point. Fortunately, I decided to, to reach out and get some help, and then just built from there really one, one day at a time you know recovery is absolutely something that I've had to earn and I've had to work at and I and, and, I, and I still do I think on reflection and Ivy House has definitely helped me with this you know I I pursued a cure for addiction for a long time and the cure in my mind was not having the feelings anymore not having the urges and what you and the team have helped me to understand is that it's not about that right you know I trying to get to a point where I'd never have the feelings was just pointless I was setting myself up for failure it was about you know accepting I suppose and, and sitting with those feelings but understanding that all the destruction and all the toxicity that was all as a result of the behavior it was not absolutely nothing to do with it with the feeling really um, and connection has been absolutely massive for me I honestly believe it's the closest that we have to um, you know vaccination for for addiction you know I think the people who I know that have spent time in, in, in addiction, it's a very isolating place. And it quite often, you know, just comes from isolation. It comes from being disconnected. That's what happened to me. I went to university and that should have meant independence, but actually that translated into isolation for me. Um, so yeah, it's just been about connecting. You know, I, you know, there are so many people out there that were willing to help me, um, but I just didn't have the, 
I didn't have the courage, I suppose, to, to reach out. Again, Joe has brought up two crucial points here. First, the fear of feeling certain emotions. And a lot of addiction and numbing behaviours stem from this fear. When we have a fear of actually experiencing our feelings, we find ways of blocking them. We lose ourselves surfing online, we drink too much, we shop too much, we gamble, we eat too much or the wrong foods. The answer is to know that as human beings, we're designed to feel feelings of all kinds. And if we're okay with that and we don't grab hold of them, they're just gonna pass through. The second point he makes is that there is always someone there to help you if you ask for it. And getting that help early enough could make a massive difference to your life. Really interested at that point at which you said, you know, you basically lost everything. That's yeah. a decision of courage to go, I need to own this. I need to own the state I'm in. And I need to ask for help. Can you remember that, where you were, what went on for you? Can you remember? The big moment for me, Elka, was when I got a call from a social worker um, who wanted to talk to me about the impact of my actions on Oliver. And it... it it's you know I'm it's difficult for me to talk about I I just I just couldn't I just could not believe that was where I, that was where I was at really um it was that was definitely I think the the big trigger for me you know realizing that I was putting Oliver at um at, at risk um I I mean I should have known that I should have known that for a long time but it was. I, I, for the first time, I guess I kind of felt threatened that I really had something to lose. And by this point, I'd already lost tons and tons and tons. But, you know, it, this felt like it really hurt me, I guess, you know, having to take that call. What happened was I, I left university and I took steps to address my addiction. But to be completely honest with you, I could only really to kind of buy myself some time or keep myself in relationships you know I was asking for help and by that point people were saying well I need you to kind of start showing me that you're helping yourself um and so I showed them the absolute minimum that I needed to um but I just kept I just kept relapsing you know I was achieving periods of um of abstinence but not really getting into recovery it was very much still a white knuckle ride for me um and my partner at the time was incredibly supportive and I think by that point, she recognised that there's a reason that addiction is referred to as a disease. That's how it's categorised by the World Health Organisation. I think she could see just how crippled I was in the end. She decided to do what she should have done a lot earlier and uh, and she walked away and that was the right thing for her um, and the right thing for, for Oliver. I'd lost all belief that I had any way out. You know, the, the way I was acting, the way I was behaving just completely went against the Joe that I thought I was. But by this point, I was like, well, all the evidence suggests that I'm not the Joe that I thought I was. And, and I was so unhappy. And so, yeah, I ended up in hospital. And I, and I, but I, I got through that. And then, yeah, I got the call from the social worker. And and you say that was it. It's not quite it, is well, it? Because you then went on the, the long road of recovery. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. And one of the first things that I, that I did was... Um, you know, reached out again. It's this connection thing. Um, so re- reached out to people who had experience with something similar to me because I was just living in a world where I just thought, like, what on earth is going on here? I, you know, with my addiction being gambling, 
you know, I'd seen kind of through mainstream media and TV, I was aware that people developed addictions to things like uh, drugs and alcohol. But this, honestly, I kind of felt like I'd walked blindly into an addiction that I didn't even know existed. I had no idea where to go. I didn't know if it was something my doctor could help me with. Um, and I, yeah, I found the fellowship of uh, of men and women who who were similar to me. And that was massive, really. You know, it gave me the opportunity to talk openly. Joe uses the words stumbled into addiction. And this is true for the majority of people who have addictions. They clearly had no plan to become an addict. What's interesting is that you are four times more likely to become an addict to whatever, drink, smoking, gambling, etc. if you start in your teenage years. The good times came, you know, and, and, and I, it was no longer a case of me manipulating situations or bribing people. It was just, I think, I started to earn the respect back for myself and, and, and from others. Incredible story. What's on your mind now? I've spent the last two years trying to move on from addiction, you know, trying to, I suppose, create a new identity for myself, tell myself a new story and not let my addiction define me. And what's going on for me right now, despite how valuable I know vulnerability is, I'm sat here and I've got thoughts in my head that are like, you need to tread carefully here. My fear is that I let addiction, you know, back into my life, I let it define me again. Um, I end up going down the route where all the guilt and all the shame was, um, is. So your fear that by talking about where you've been, you'll go back there? It's a really fine line because I don't want to completely forget what happened because that's what helps me to have perspective. But then also, I've moved on, right? I've, I've rebuilt my life. I'm really interested, and language is fascinating when, we, when we're in this conversation, isn't it? We have to be very careful. But I'm fascinated by this fear about going back to something. Well, there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> if I asked you to point to addiction right now, where would you point to? Honestly, almost to someone else. Like, that doesn't even feel like yeah. it was me. Yeah. So it's like when people go, I'm so stressed. I go, well, go and find me a bucket of stress. Go and collect it for me and bring it to me. It's not there, is it? It's here. It's in our head. So we can't bring the past into now. We can only create a new future. We can live in the now. We only ever have the now. And we are moving into a new now, the future. Spending time with a story, which is, you know, actually, I'm an addict in recovery. That's your story of old, isn't it? So I'm going to ask you the question again. Who's Joe? So right now, I'm I'm a daddy and, and a best friend to Sarah and, you know, a successful senior manager within a, a global financial services organisation. That is me and I'm excelling at and it. And tell me about your character, Joe. How would people describe you to me? They would describe me as courageous, as resilient, as honest. That's what brought you to where we are now. You had the courage to look at the raw facts and then you had the courage to take the action you needed to come to return to who you actually are. That's the thing. That's the key point for me. The Joe that I you know, know and, and, and love... He was there somewhere. He was just at the moment being absorbed by something incredibly 
powerful. And this is why everything went in the too difficult box because I honestly felt it was going to be like a personality, you know, transplant. Like I was, you know, but it wasn't, it was all there. Like you say, it was a return. What we have to remember is who we are at our core, our essence. And you'll know that as a father, you look at Oliver and right, Oliver is different to other kids, isn't he? Because he has a character. He has, you know, he has his uniqueness and it's in him. It's just his essence. And you have that. And it's like the blue sky. The blue sky is always there. Now, if I look out my window now, I can see really gray clouds. I can't see any blue sky, but I know the blue sky is there. And it's always there and it's up above the clouds. It's always, always there. And that's our true nature, who we were born to be is always there. Sometimes we let the clouds get in the way. Sometimes the clouds stay in the way for quite a long time. And sometimes we begin to think we are the clouds. We're never the clouds, but we get so absorbed in them, we can see nothing but cloud. You're absolutely right. And you know what, Elke, I loved it sometimes. You know, being the cloud, you know. I love that you're honest about that, Joe. And one of the things that have always struck me is your ability to look at the raw facts about yourself. I loved being a cloud and you probably, well, I'm going to let you tell me why did you love being a cloud? Because it helped to justify the way that I was behaving and it also helped me to point the finger, right? Blame other people. Yeah, it's not my fault. It's it's theirs. I'm being done to. So actually, so many people, and we can call it all sorts of things, but love to be the victim. Love to be, oh, well, it's not me, it's this. It's not my fault, it's this. And yes, I'm doing this because because I can't help myself and this is happening and this is happening and this has happened. What I heard in your story is that actually there was a point in your life where you decided to take ownership for who you are. Definitely. That never went away and you've been on a journey to return to who you are. That's exactly it. Nobody did that, Joe, just you. Nobody else, just you. Yeah, and I, I always had that capability in me I just I think you know I just I didn't really see it but I think it links into the victim point as well um you know often in addiction people will say one of the first big steps is to actually admit that you're an addict um but honestly part of me loved that right like I, I loved being able to go home and tell my parents that you know I was an addict in a way I know that sounds strange but it felt like a big, like serious label to be able to kind of put on myself, and um, and I and I thought that that would work in my favour. Do you know what I mean? So I well, it takes the responsibility away from you. Exactly. So it's when people use terms like "I suffer from anxiety attacks" as if the anxiety attacks are outside of them. Well, anxiety ultimately is a feeling that comes from thinking, and who has the op- who has the choice over how we think. So I love your honesty about owning up to the fact that you actually loved having a label. I did love that. Some people do say it's the hardest thing to do, um, you know, is to make that admission, but I, I, I did in some ways enjoy it. So in many ways, it's the opposite for you, which is actually now learning to tell your story without that or without making that a big anchor. I do have to, you know, continue to basically do what, has got me this far, right? You know, so continue with the honesty, continue with the connection. I cannot abandon completely the, the challenges that are there. You know, the I, I do need to be able to to kind of move on from it, I suppose. And well, there's there's an, what I'm hearing is a lot of things, and I just want to unpick a few of them. So, you've mentioned connection a lot. Now, 
a lot of people go into victim to get people to rescue them or to to actually persecute them to be angry with them because that's a form of connection you know they often talk about naughty children either try and be super good so they get love or be naughty so they get attention actually that behavior was serving you it was getting the connection you needed just in a negative way so you'll have learned this on the program when you un un understand your values we can get them met positively or negatively i'm assuming connection is one of your personal values oh yeah the biggest joe has recognized how important his value of connection is to him and that's true for all of us we need to understand what our values are so that we know how we can get them met now the challenge with personal values is that we can either get them met in positive or negative ways and the second challenge is is that unless we do the work to find out what they are they are often invisible to us so joe's example is addiction but another example may be you might have a value of belonging and actually choose to get it met by gossiping about one group of friends to another group of friends because you want to feel in with the second group of friends so if we can find out what our values are and then make conscious choices to get them met in positive ways, that's going to lead to far better outcomes for all of us. So you now know that connection is really important to you. And you also know that you can get that need met in a positive way. So when you say you can leave it behind, you can leave the story behind because that's not who you are. Who you are is the blue sky. You're always going to be the blue sky. What you can't leave behind is is keeping in balance with who the way you should live your life. You know, I don't know, whatever you need to do to serve you, to keep you healthy, to keep you well. You know, we all know if we get no sleep, if we eat bad diets, if we get no exercise, then guess what? It might be that we end up feeling a bit depressed in a few weeks. You know, it doesn't take a rocket science to work that one out, does it? So actually there's a whole piece of self-care, but self-care goes a lot deeper than, than exercise and food and sleep. It goes to living a life that makes sure that we are getting our values met, that we're not violating them. And now you know that about yourself, then we just, actually we just get into a rhythm of making that happen. Does that make sense to you? It makes absolute sense. And it, it's great to be able to, to look at it in that way it is really it's just it's a lifestyle that 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 works for me it's not about defeating addiction um you know i i know how important connection is to me um and yeah it's about maintaining that right and as you said it i guess in some ways it is just like you know pursuing a healthy diet or you know meditating or or, or whatever it is it's something that we do because it gives us something positive and if we don't then there's a chance that will experience something negative right and that's really in some ways I'm the same as everyone else in that respect can I say in not in that respect in every respect you're the same yeah. as everyone else okay you just you just went went a bit further than a lot of people to get your your need met in a negative way but trust me there are people out there doing all sorts of things that they're not voicing that they're not honest about to get their needs met and actually, I think part of what we're trying to do here is help people understand what it is at their core that is important to them and then help them make conscious decisions and choices to get that, get those needs met in a really positive, loving, compassionate way.
And of course, you know what, we all fall off the wagon, you know, but what we do is we naturally learn to balance ourselves. You you remember my analogy of the yoga, yogic man, yeah? What's, what's the person doing yoga that does a tree? What are they actually doing? Well, they're constantly balancing because we tip over, we come back, you know, we have... We have a, a really, really late night. Well, we don't feel so well the next day. So what do we do the next night? Go to bed early. So we're balancing. We're keeping ourselves in balance. We tip over, we get back, we get back. You just had a big tip and you've rebalanced. That's exactly it. And that's kind of what I've gone through this year, Elka, because for me in the early days, I actually in some ways found it easier to you know, put all the work in to make sure that I maintain the, the connections Ironically, when life is good, that was kind of when things started to get a bit more difficult. This year, especially, you know, with COVID and, and what that meant in terms of connection for me, you know, one of the biggest ways that I connect, you know, is through the workplace and, and, and my colleagues. And obviously from earlier this year, that was turned on its head. Um, and there were other relationships in my life that started to be impacted by me spending so much kind of time at home and it's just been about as you said a bit of a recalibration thinking about how I can you know fill those gaps and how we can connect in other ways um, and so that's exactly what 2020 has been for me really. All I'm hearing is that you're on a learning journey and you've been put into a really challenging situation yeah so a really challenging situation you've gone wow okay feeling a bit out of balance right now I have some choices to make. I could I could start gambling again. I could get that dopamine hit if that's what I want. Or actually, I can find a way of getting my needs met elsewhere. Whenever life got tough, you know, whenever there was any pain, you know, whenever life felt a bit unbearable, you know, my, my cure was addiction, right? But then what has to then you go there and then that causes more pain and more destruction. So then you just got back. I just got myself into... In, in, into a cycle that I I could have got out of, but that I didn't for a long time. Um, I'm going to rephrase that. You got yourself into a cycle which you got out of. Correct. Yeah, I got myself into a cycle which I have got out of. So should we just leave the judgment? Yeah, let's. I mean, do you need the judgment? Do you need to add the judgment in? No, I, no, I don't. Not at all. You, you rebalanced. And you could rebalance many, 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 many times. You can, you know, you can do smaller balances. <laughs> you don't need to go right the way over, right? You can do smaller balances. That is what is make what is what makes us human. Before we move on to your your letter, Joe, I just wanted to pick up on this whole thing about blocking blocking feelings, blocking emotions, because um, a numbing, which is the other thing we do, you know, so people overeat. They, they overdrink, they gamble, they overshop, they, um, you know, uh, obviously self-harm, eating disorder, you know, there's all sorts of numbing activities that people go. And it's all about avoidance of feeling pain or emotion of some sort that we don't want to feel. So recognizing that the human condition is about feeling a whole range of emotions Part of the human condition is to feel a whole range of emotions, sadness, frustration, anger, joy, excitement, fear. And being okay with those emotions, but not building on them, not hanging on to them, letting them pass through, because that's what feelings do, they pass through. The danger, of course, is that, you know, if I don't acknowledge the, the feelings and if I do think I need to suppress them, how do I suppress those feelings? Like, I just 
I, I go back and just, you know, send myself into, you know, um, oblivion through my addiction. Whereas, you know, sitting with the, he, he would say, you know, you, you acknowledge, you sit with the feelings and recognize that it's the behavior, you know, that's really going to drive the outcome. And, um, and I suppose you know, the more, the more that I do that, you know, the more that I practice, it just gives me more confidence. And I, absolutely agree with you and for a long time I did honestly feel like me being cured meant me not ever having the feelings again and that that's so much easier when you're in an environment where you feel safe and that you that you belong and that you're welcome be careful Joe don't pin your happiness on your environment so god forbid one day your environment changes and you don't have that right your happiness is not conditional on your environment what you have is the capability to go out and create relationships that you will get happiness from. And if the situation that you are in right now, for some whatever reason, changes, you are not conditional on it. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. And it's yeah. I I I you know I'm not dependent upon anything or anyone else. And you know I do have that belief that wherever I find myself, you know I'm I know that I can you know, live the, live the life that I deserve. But yeah, it's not it's not a dependency, I agree. No, it's within your gift to be able to create those relationships and those environments wherever you go because that's what human beings do. We connect. I just don't want you to make it conditional. The blue sky oh. is always there. Thank you. Cool. So as you know, Joe, I have a huge belief in learning. One of my personal values, actually, is being open to learning. We can learn from other people. We can learn from situations, but we can mainly learn from ourselves. So I'm really interested to know <laughs> what letter you will have written to your 17-year-old self. Okay, here goes. Hi, Joe. Sending you a virtual hug. I'm here to help you. I know that life feels way out of control at the moment. A white-knuckle ride towards a premature end. And I know that that really terrifies you. We're going to get you off and back in control back living the life that you deserve. It's not going to be easy, but it's well within your reach. It may feel like addiction has happened to you, but recovery certainly won't. It will happen because of you. What we need to get out of this mess is honesty, courage, vulnerability, and connection. Admittedly, they're not prominent on the CV right now, but you'll soon discover with some help just how important they are to you and that you're actually pretty good at honoring them. Let's start with honesty. It's time to admit a temporary defeat, Joe. Admit that the way that we're dragging ourselves through life at the moment just isn't working. It's not the life that you or those around you deserve. The first person that you need to be honest with is yourself. I know there's a lot of confusion for you right now. We're not looking for a diagnosis, just an admission about what life is like for you. An admission that needs to be made to yourself first and foremost to accept that change is required and that you are both responsible and ready for that change. It's also time to be honest about who you really are. I know what you're thinking, an addict, right? Well, that's partly understandable given the overwhelming evidence, but it's really just what you're telling yourself to help justify the way your life is right now. The joy that you love, that everyone loves is there, waiting to be rediscovered. On to courage and vulnerability. You're really going to learn to love this stuff. So much so that it actually becomes an over overdone strength at times, which I know may seem crazy. 
that's not where you are right now, but you're not as far off as you think. This won't be comfortable, Joe, but it's necessary. Stepping into a place of vulnerability is where the magic really happens. Right now, what that requires is courageously reaching out to those that are desperate to help you, to build on the honest admission you're going to make to yourself and to courageously share it. So leave the ego at your parents' front door, walk through it, give them a hug and tell them where you're at. Connect with them. They love you unconditionally and you know that. It's time to stop abusing that unconditional love and to start appreciating it. Give them the joy that they deserve. It'll require a team effort, Joe. Go out there, find your teammates, find your tribe. Be courageous, be vulnerable and connect. You'll find people that will give you the feeling of belonging that you so desperately need. I believe connection is the closest we have to a vaccine for addiction. It can take many forms, including this, what we're doing right now, Joe. We're connecting. Connecting in a space where you'll feel welcome and that you belong. The connection must be maintained. Do not let independence lead you to isolation. Oh, and just to let you know, you are the most resilient person that I know. So when you need to, use that to have the confidence to intervene. And that's not easy, especially when facing the realization that we've made bad choices in life. I mean, come on, right now, your two difficult boxes filling rapidly. And what does that say about you, Joe? Does it reflect how difficult life is right now? I don't actually think that's 100% true and it's certainly not helpful. For someone like you, that box represents opportunity. Opportunity and you know it. Opportunity to live the life that you deserve. Now go get it, we're all behind you. <laughs> we are all behind you. You need to read that letter every single day. Do you know the next letter I want you to write to yourself, Joe? is I want you to imagine you're 10 years on. And I want you to imagine, it's not a letter actually, it's a description. Who, who are you in 10 years? You know, let's really let that blue sky rip. What are you going to create now? What are you going to create for you, your life, your family? Look up, not back. That's what you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. The, the biggest takeaway from this conversation, I'm, I'm sure there'll be more as I, as I continue to reflect on it, Elka, but is that really the success and the happiness that I have now is it's all just driven by the way that I'm choosing to live my life, right? You know, and that's that's not really anything to do with addiction or recovery. It's just, you know, understanding what my values are, you know, and where my happy place is and and. and yeah, and just living a life that's that's aligned to that. And it's really as simple as that. It is. No, 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 no. People always say to me, what is it you do? And I go, you know, what we do is incredibly simple and incredibly deep. It's so simple. It's, but it's like, um, it's like the best kept secret that nobody's ever told anyone. Find out who you are and what matters to you. Then create a life that meets those needs. And, you know, sometimes you'll go down the wrong path, but you'll just come back and get on the right path. You know, it's not a straight line because we're constantly readjusting and we're realigning and that's what it's all about. That's it. Fall over, get back up, fall over, get back up, fall over, get back up, move forward, move forward. That's it. Just like Oliver when he was born, right? I remember you telling us this on the Ivy House programme. 100%. They don't go, oh my God, I've fallen down. I'm never going to get up. I'm never going to walk. I'm clearly not a walker. They don't do that. <laughs> pull themselves up on the coffee table, 
walk a couple of steps and fall down again. All right, I'm sending you lots of love. You too, Elka. Virtual hug. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organisations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And to hear more, please subscribe. To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.